Thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, we'll be sharing an inspiring message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. Please, uh, let's go to round two. All right, round two. Pastor Johnny, let's go. All right, give it up for Jesus. So, Pastor Andrew... I'm jealous of jo- Joshua, right? Josh? Joseph, man. I'm jealous of Joseph. You see how he jumps? I jump like twice and I'm tired. Amen. Are you ready? Okay. So let's open our Bibles to Galatians chapter 4. Pastor Andrew said, I can't do 25 minutes. I said, yes, I can. This is how you do it. You put it on your phone. You push the button. And when it beeps, I stop. I learned that a long time ago. Blessed are those that preach short, they shall be reinvited back. Amen. Amen. Galatians chapter 4. I want to talk to you a little bit about being formed. Say with me, being formed. Say, allowing God to form us. And when we started, I asked you guys the question of what, what, you know, some people think consolidation is the hardest thing to do. But really the hardest thing to do is to form somebody. You're talking about changing people's habits or lifestyles, renewing their mind. Uh, and, and when you talk about change, the difficult part about change is that when you say you're not, you need to change, people rebel against change because change means you've been doing it wrong and now you've got to start doing it right. I'll tell you a story. I'm going to try to say it in English. There's a guy named Carlos. He's, he was a, a crazy guy. Lo llaman loco Carlos in Spanish. So, you know, his parents took him to a, a psych, uh, psychologist? No, psychiatric. Psychiatrist. Because he thought he was dead. So the psychi- the, his doctor said, Carlos, why do you think you're dead? He said, because I'm dead. He said, Carlos, you're not dead. You're alive. You're talking. Look at you. He said, he said no, I'm dead. So this guy said, I'm going to change him. I'm going to change him. Just give me a few weeks with him. I'm going to change him. So week one came by, week three, week four, week five. And then he was on the last session, week eight, and he couldn't change him. Carlos keeps saying he was crazy. But then one day he got, the doctor got an idea. He said, I know dead people don't bleed. So when Carlos comes back to the, to the office, I'm going to tell him, Carlos, do dead people bleed? And he's going to say, no, doctor. Dead people do not bleed. Then I'm going to get a pin. I'm going to pinch his finger. Blood's going to come out. He's going to say, oh, my God, I'm alive. Right? So the day comes. Carlos shows up. And then he tells him, Carlos, I want to ask you a question. He said, yeah, doc. He said, do dead people bleed? He said, doc, dead people do not bleed. He said, Carlos, let me have your finger. Pulled out his finger. Took out the pin. Picked him. Blood came out. He said, oh, my God, dead people bleed. What does that mean? You couldn't change his mind. And, and forming somebody, forming somebody is, is not that easy. It's, it's, it's an ongoing life commitment to change. I've been saved 31 years. I'm still changing. God is still dealing with me about things. Now, how many, any mothers here? Every mother, raise your hand if you're a mom. Okay, raise your hand. Wow, proud mamas. Proud mama, keep on burning. Oh. Oh, that's Proud Mary. Proud Mary. Keep on. Hey, Luke, I can sing too. I want Luke to discover me. No, no. But let me ask moms a question. 
what is more painful birth pains or raising your children see birth pains bible says that you will forget about the pain of the birth because of the joy of what is born but when you start raising them it can be painful some of you your parents they almost gave up on life because you guys wouldn't change and really changing a life, changing, forming somebody is not as easy as birthing them. Birthing is difficult, but changing them, forming them is super difficult. Now I want you to read here Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. This is what it says. It says, my little children for whom I labor in birth pains again until Christ is formed in you. Now, I want to make a... I want to make a little emphasis on how it says in Spanish. It says, hijitos míos, por quienes vuelvo a sufrir dolores de parto hasta que Cristo sea formado en ti. Say the word with me, sufrir. Now that word sufrir means to suffer. And Paul is saying to form somebody, you have to suffer. You go through difficult times. Now God gave me a word a few weeks ago. And the word God gave me was this, who is suffering because you're not changing? For example, if, 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 if your husband doesn't change, you're suffering. When the children don't change, the parents suffer. When the disciples don't change, the church suffers. O sea, somebody suffers or somebody's going through a hard time because you haven't had Christ formed in you. So your goal is to have Christ be formed in you. And the phrase there is, till Christ is formed in us. Now let me tell you something. I said something in the second point about growing and changing, if you remember that. What is a disciple? Someone that is committed to Christ. You made the decision to cross the line, conscience. But the second point is if you're not growing and changing, then you're not a disciple. Now, I know there are slow disciples. Say with me, slow disciples. Anybody have a slow disciple? It's like, he's been in my cell like for a year and he still doesn't change. Well, there's a problem there. Something is stunting his growth. Something is causing a short circuit in his life that's not allowing him to be formed, that Christ can be formed in him. But the goal that we all have is that when people see us, they see Christ in us. See, the problem is a lot of people don't want to come to church because they see more of us and not enough of Christ. Now, I want to just, I'm just going to take, the reason I'm going to take 25 minutes, so I'm just going to read you a few scriptures. Sometimes I don't think the Bible doesn't need us to help it. I want you to go to a few scriptures with me. I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 5 real quick. Hebrews chapter 5. Say with me, till Christ is formed in you. Tell the person next you, you need Christ to be formed in you. Now, I apologize because there's things that I really cannot say it in Spanish. I remember one day in my church, I wanted to preach in English. I'm like, man, I got something I got to get out and I can't say it in Spanish. So I got an interpreter in a Mexican church and everybody had to hear me preach in English. But there's things that, that, are, that don't come across the same in English or Spanish. They don't, they don't cross the same. But listen, if Christ is not formed in you, you'll never become the person that God intends you to be. Remember in, in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, they saw Peter and John. They understood they were people that didn't have a lot of knowledge, but they realized they had been with Christ. And that's what we need. We need people that know us, people that see us, to look at us and realize we've been through a process. God is changing our lives. Now, I'm going to say this in Spanish. 
So those of you that know Spanish, you're going to get a hundredfold of it. The rest of you are going to get the interpretation. But this is something that I wanted to tell you. Well, I'll try to say in English. Have you ever looked at yourself and been disappointed? I mean, I, I, I've dealt with things in my own life. Y a veces me caigo gordo. Do you understand? I said, no me aguanto. I mean, I've been married for 27 years. My wife is a champion because she has championed with me for 27 years. I mean, you got to choose right because that lady has to hold on to you for, for life. I tell my wife, honey, you're the best. Because if I don't, como se dice, no me aguanto. I can't stand, sometimes I, thank you, Paolo. Sometimes I can't stand myself. Has it ever happened to you? I mean, you're like, man, I got to change because I can't even, I don't like myself. That's because Christ hasn't been formed in you. Somebody said everything good in you is God and everything bad in you is you. And we need to let Christ form us. And if we don't go through this process of maturity, it's all about maturity. Remember, Bishop Oriel was in our church uh, a few years back. We were giving a uh, couples meeting. And he said, I got the key to help every marriage to heal. And everybody's like, ah, we want to hear this success. He said, men, you must mature. So the, the problem in our churches is the, the people that should be mature are still acting like babies. Now, you guys have a nursery, right? I hope this is not the nursery. I want you to think about Pablo. Well, just think about the pastors trying to change diapers Sunday morning. Make formula Sunday morning. Trying to get you to burp Sunday morning. But that happens because the church doesn't grow up. It doesn't mature. And let me tell you something. You can have 12 disciples and still be immature. And you're going to reproduce immature disciples. I'll give you a title of a message. Pablo, this is a good title. You can have it for free. When the disciple is better than the leader. You said something when, we, when you started in the, in the beginning. David had a disciple that was better than him. His name was Uriah. But that, should, that, that is not supposed to be the way it's supposed to be. The leader is supposed to go before, supposed to mark the way, supposed to raise up and continue to grow. But what happens a lot of times that our leaders are very immature. I remember when we started the church and I had about 10 cell leaders. And I sat them down once in church and I asked them a question. I said, when, and I'll say it in Spanish, ¿Cuándo les voy a poder hablar como maduros? When am I going to be able to talk to you like mature people? Because you tell somebody something and they get mad. They don't want to go to church. Pastor doesn't like me anymore. That's a sign of immaturity when you can't take correction. You know, when I got saved, I got saved in an assembly of God church in Huntington Park, California. My pastor, he's got a, he's got a mug on him, a face. He'll look at you like this. And I would always think the pastor didn't like me. At least your pastor says, high-five me. He's, he wants to high-five everybody, <laughs> especially the kids. But somebody asked me once, hey, pastor, what do you like about being in church? I said, I like to be able to walk around and high-five people. I really, that's what I like. But my pastor was like this. Like, I used to be a youth pastor. And I remember my pastor one day, because I gave the preacher the, the place 10 minutes late, he looked at me and said, if next year I am the pastor of this church and you're the youth pastor, you're not going to have another event 
In Spanish, it sounds really cool. Si el año que viene yo sigo de pastor en esta iglesia y tú sigues con los jóvenes, no vas a volver a tener otro evento. I was like, okay. So I thought the pastor didn't like me. And then I remember I missed a Sunday from church. My first Sunday I missed church. And I was at the pastor's house on Monday with his son because we became good friends. And the pastor came up to me and said, Johnny, ¿dónde estuviste el domingo? I was like, Pastor, you, real, you noticed I wasn't in church on Sunday? He said, sí, estoy mirando. I'm watching you. And I realized my pastor loved me. He had a strong face. He looked at me. So years went by. One day I'm with my pastor. I had come down from Tijuana. I went to visit him. We were in the car. And I asked him, because I said, Pastor, ¿por qué me mirabas con esa cara? Why did you look at me with that face when I got saved? And he said, es que te estaba formando. I was like, you should have told me. I was forming you. I was like, you should have told me. I would have taken it. I thought you didn't like me. See, God wants to work in our lives. He wants Christ to be formed in us. And let me tell you something. You can't form everybody the same way. You guys know the four basic temperaments, right? Choleric, sanguine, melancholy, and phlegmatic, right? You know, I get to go into schools in, in Tijuana. I've been able to go into some schools and teach those. And what I teach teachers is I tell them, if you don't know what kind of temperament your student has, you won't know how to help him grow. And the same thing happens in church. If you're a leader and you don't know what kind of temperament your disciple has, I know we're a new creature, old things have passed away. But until Christ is formed in you, you're going to act like your mom and dad. Anybody here? And if as a leader you don't know, hey, let me tell you something. If you have a melancholic person in your cell and you blast them, you just killed him and buried him. He ain't come back. He's going to cry for four weeks, three weeks, and you're going to have to go visit him and pull him out of the house and drag his butt to church. Oops, butt. Okay? If you have a choleric on your team and you don't give him clear goals, he's going to get mad, fed up, frustrated, talk bad about you. You have to know your disciples, but you have to know how to form them. Now, I said something when it started earlier. If you don't know what a disciple is, you'll never know if you're one. If you don't know what a disciple is, what it looks like, you'll never make a disciple. Now, God uses four things to form us. If you want, just write these down because I don't have time. But number one, God will use the word to form you. Okay? He'll use the word to form you. The word's a hammer. <laughs> it's a fire. I know it's also a like water but man when God brings that hammer down I don't know about you guys but God's pretty straightforward with me one day I told my wife I said honey look at my devotional the Lord is talking to me about the ministry and then my wife said honey by any chance I, I she said I noticed that the Lord speaks to you a lot about ministry in your devotionals she said doesn't he ever talk to you about marriage <laughs> I was like uh something happened supernaturally the next day God talked to me about marriage. <laughs> but doesn't God use his word to form you? I mean, it's like you didn't even want to hear it. You weren't even looking for it. But that thing jumped out, slapped you twice on the face, and told you, shape up. I mean, that's how God deals with me. I don't know about you. I have a friend that used to tell me all the time. He'd make One of my pastor's sons, we were good friends. We'd go minister together. And I would tell him, man, Joel. 
God woke me up at 3 o'clock in the morning to pray. And, and God, would, God wakes me up at 3, 2 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock, 5. He don't ask me permission. One day he woke me up and I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to pray for? He said, nothing. I just wanted to see if I can still wake you up. It's like the wife when she wants to see if she can still make your blood pressure go up. But God will use his word to form you. Is my word not like a hammer? Is not my word like a fire? I said, okay, we want to change, but we don't let God deal with our hearts. We like the superficial stuff. Eh? It's like that one guy that wanted to read the Bible. Have you ever heard that story? You guys know it. Well, maybe you don't. He opened the Bible and said, Lord, speak to me. Open the Bible. Put his finger. And Judas went out and hung himself. He said, no, 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 that's not it. And he moved around and went, this one, go out and do the same thing. <laughs> tell the person God wants to use his word to form you let me tell you what else God uses to form you he will use his Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is an instrument to form you to develop you 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16 when it talks about we look in, as in a mirror the glory of God we're transformed in the same image by the spirit of God God uses his spirit to change us. Man, you're about to do something and you feel bad. And it's like God saying, don't do that. And you're like, I want to do it. And God's like, don't do it. And you're like, I want to. God's forming you. Let me, tell you. let me tell you real quick my first temptation. Let me see how many minutes I got. Uh, I have eight minutes and 17 minutes, seconds. Okay. You want to hear my first temptation? Nah, I ain't going to tell you. So God uses his spirit. I'll tell you tomorrow. What else does he use? Write this down. He uses your pastor or your leader to form you. Let me, let me tell you something. He'll use pastors, leaders, and your family. You know that family you wish you hadn't born in that family? There he goes. Eh? I didn't see this. But you know what? God puts you in that family, whether it's messed up or you're messed up, to straighten you up. Even the people get the guy gordo. Even the people that you don't like, God put them in your life to straighten you up. Teach you patience. Teach you love. You know, the church has forgotten how to walk in love. We hold grudges against people. Man, God's trying to form your character. You know, the other day, a, a girl we know, she's always been really rough with her husband. And she, I mean, cholerac, you know, I bully the women in, in our church. I call them cholerac because most Mexican women are cholerac, man. A friend of mine, we were in Philippines once at that time and some Filipino girls were trying to hit on us. We're, we're in the mall shopping and, and the girl says, hey, you got girlfriends? I said, no, I'm married. He, he says, I'm married. No. You want a girlfriend? I said, no, nah, we're married. And, uh. Then my friend said, and we're married to Mexicans. And he said, Mexican will shoot you while you're sleeping. I said, no, bro, she'll shoot you while you're awake. God will use your family. God will use your pastor. God will use your leaders. And God will use your disciples to form you. Let me ask you a question. What is God doing in you with that disciple that doesn't want to grow? That disciple that doesn't want to read the Bible. That disciple that doesn't pray and doesn't come to sale or doesn't go to church or is not inviting anybody. Is God teaching you something? You want to get rid of him? When God is trying to teach you something in that process to help you mature. And number four, God uses life. <laughs> Just life. 
God will bring things in your way, allow you to go through things. That's why Romans 8, 28 says, all things work for the good of those that are called according to his purpose. Now, let's read some verses. I said we're going to read some verses. Hebrews chapter 5, 5 minutes and 40 seconds, man. Let's go fast. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. Listen to this. For by this time, you should be a cell leader. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It doesn't say that. What I meant to say is by this time, you should have your 12. I mean, how long you been in church? How long you been in your cell? How long you been in the team? And why don't you have disciples? Now, it's talking about teachers. Same thing. After so much time, you should be a leader. You should be a fruitful person. Why haven't you grown? Listen to this. By this time, you ought to be teachers. But you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes of only milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. La cuneros over there. This is for adults. For everyone who partakes of milk is unskilled and is a babe. For solid food belongs to those who are of full age, those who by reason of use have discerned and exercised themselves in good and evil. Are you mature? Have you grown? Are you still battling with the same thing? Same temptation, same struggles, same outbursts, same, same uh, anger issues, same jealousy issues, same bitterness issues. I mean, when are you going to grow? Tell the person next to you, you should be a leader by now. You should have your 12 by now. And Paul, well, the writer of Hebrews says, but you're a baby still. How do you talk to a baby that's a leader? I mean, you can't tell him anything because he's going to get mad. He's going to cry. He, they don't like me. They don't love me. The pastor's mean. Grow up. Stop crying. If you're going to be a leader, then lead. John Maxwell was giving a conference once on leadership. I don't know if you guys know I'm a John Maxwell certified coach too, so... I, I, I do some stuff, but he, he told us once that a guy said, man, he said, John, I'm really excited now to lead. Who do I start leading? He said, how about if you start with you? If you can't lead yourself to read the word, you can't lead yourself to submit to your, your flesh, submit to your pastor, do what you're supposed to. If you can't lead, who, who are you going to lead? I had a guy in our church. This guy was awesome, man. I got to hurry up, man. Time's up. I'll, I'll do what somebody said. Can I, can I have two extra minutes? Who gives me two extra minutes? Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, sixteen, eight, thirty minutes for No, let, 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 let's, go, let's go back. Where am, I, where am I? Let's just go back here. So you ought to be a leader by now. Now look at chapter 6, what it says. Verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance, dead works, and faith towards God. Doctrines of baptism, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal. And he says, and this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible for those who were enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift, become partakers of the Holy Spirit. They have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the ages to come. If they fall away, renew themselves again. Let me tell you something. Spiritual maturity comes from God. 
You know that if you want to tear down a wall here, the city has to come down and inspect. You got to present all kinds of blueprints and everything. You have to get approved before you can expand. That verse says, and we shall grow if God permits. Tell the person next to you, God may not let you grow. Because if you don't mature, why would God give, why would God give babies to babies? The other day I was paying my light bill in Tijuana and this girl's here. She looked like she was 12 with a baby. I thought, man, it must be her little sister. Then another one came with a baby and then the mother's telling the other ladies, you know, las comadres ahí, no, es que esta, nada más parió el hijo, ahí lo tiene, yo ni lo cuida. She's 12 years old. God's design is that if you mature, you can help people grow. Is it the reason that you're not growing because you haven't grown? Because you haven't grown up? I want to read you another verse real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Having the need to grow, to be a, a leader by now. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It says, and I say, verse 1, this new king, even new King James is like old King James, bro. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as carnal people, as babes in Christ. I gave you milk and not solid food because until now you cannot receive it. And even now you still can't receive it because you're carnal. You have envy, strife, divisions among you. Are you not carnal and behave as mere men? How can the pastors have a team where God can give us and trust us a city if we're immature? We have to have a vision to grow and develop. We have to have a vision to mature. Now, I just want to tell you this. I'm going to finish with this. I can go all night with the subject. I'm just going to tell you this. Let me, let me tell you a few things fast. I paused it on 47 seconds. Ah, but I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish. I, I, know, I know it's like. <laughs> I told you 14 times I said I'm going to finish. So somebody, my wife told me one day, honey, you said I'm going to finish 14 times. And that's it. All right. Okay, real quick. Write this down. Six things that don't make you mature. Number one, time does not make you mature. I don't care how long you've been in church. You can be in church all your life. Be raised in church. I was not raised in church. I, I look like I was raised in church because I became, I became a Christian, not a disciple for many years. So you learn the jargon and the words. And in, in Mexico, President Fox used to do this. So I would tell people it's not the vocabulary and it's not the vestuario, it's the vida cristiana. I mean, you can be in church all your life. Listen, being in church doesn't make you mature. That tree's in church, it ain't maturing. That thing's dead. It just don't know it yet. But come after Christmas, that thing will be dry out there, it'll be taken away. That, oh, that's a fake tree? That, thing, that, that thing's dead twice. <laughs> Have you ever seen somebody in church that doesn't grow up and doesn't mature? I had a lady once come and ask me, Pastor, can you pray for me? I was, I, was, I was young. She said, Pastor, can you pray for me for healing? Of course. Do you have faith? I told her. She said, what do you mean if I have faith? I've been in church for 35 years. I didn't ask you how long you've been in church. Do you have faith? Listen, write this verse down. We ain't got time. Job, Job 32, verse 8 to 10. Just write it down. Job had a friend, man. 
He was a quiet guy, but when he spoke, that guy made people shake. He said, I thought that the people that were old had wisdom. I thought the knowledge came through days, but I realized there's a spirit in man, and it is the wind of God that makes him understand. You know, when I got saved, I grew up spiritually very fast. I wasn't even a year old in the Lord. I remember my pastor saying, Johnny, you're mature. I said, Pastor, I'm not mature. I've been saved like not even a year. He said, yeah, but you've had experiences that have marked your life. There are people in church, they're, they're all their life, and they never grow up. Say it with me, time doesn't make you mature. Two, number two, real quick. Knowledge doesn't make you mature. 1 Corinthians 8.1. Knowledge puffs you up, but love edifies you. People that, they want to know, you know what? I believe this. We educate people beyond their obedience. People want to learn and learn and learn and learn, and they want to learn new things. And that's in the Bible. People wanted to learn new things all the time. It's better to have one verse that you know, obey, and apply than memorize the Bible and not know what to do with it. Knowledge does not make you mature. I don't care how big the temple is. Really, I really don't care. It's in the Bible. I'm going to read it. It's not going to change my life how big the temple was. How many steps you take to go around Jericho? I mean, I, I really don't care. I care that walks file down. But some people are so consumed with knowledge. Listen, knowledge doesn't make you mature. What makes you mature is, what, listen, let me go back for a second. Time and knowledge, both of them. It's not how much you have of it. It's what you do with it. What did you do with the time? Man, you could be here a month saved and already have your cell, man. Even if the, you, the, the, hey, but the process is you got to go to the Universidad de la Vida, man. Life classes, man. Well, I jumped life class, started my cell. Well, you're not supposed to do that. Well, I've never seen anywhere in the Bible where you say you need permission to obey God. He ain't, pastor ain't going to give you no people to take care of, but if you win some unsaved people out there that know less than you, man, go for it. You can come with them to the encounter at the same time. But it's not how much you have, it's what you do, okay? Number three, gifts don't make you mature. Oh, yeah, I prophesy. Well, in the Bible, there was a donkey that prophesied me. Listen to me. I know about prophecy. I come from all that movement. Most of you don't know nothing about that, so I don't want to contaminate you. But people, there's people that think because of their gifts, because the way they sing, because they play an instrument, because their oratory skills, doesn't make you mature. It makes you responsible. Only thing you do, you got a gift, you're responsible for that gift. There was a guy that had one gift in the Bible, remember that? What did he do with it? He buried it. Another guy had five, another guy had two. They, they used it. Number four, appearance doesn't make you mature. <laughs> I remember the first time. In fact, near here, I was in El Monte preaching in this church. Man, There was about, about 15 people on the stage, 15 pastors on the stage. They called me because they didn't have nobody else to go. A friend of mine, it was his anniversary, and have you ever heard of Dr. Canales? Yeah. So Dr. Canales was going to preach, but he was in Central America, and his, he, had, he had a operation on his appendix or something like that. So he couldn't show up. So they called me, hey, Johnny, can you come? I said, I was the last one on your list, wasn't I? He said, not the last one, but, you know, Dr. Canales is sick. I said, no problem. You're my friend, man. I'll go preach for you. Don't worry about it. So I went, and I was sitting on the platform, and I didn't wear a tie. That was like when I was busting loose, man. No ties, man. I was trying to get delivered. Because Judas hung himself with his ties. So not, like, we don't wear ties in church no more. <laughs> so I'm standing on the pulpit. I'm, I'm sitting back here with these 15 preachers, man. 
stuffy preachers, you know, we're sitting there. And then this guy turns to me and says, hermano. Hey, when they say hermano, man, you know it's going to get deep. <laughs> so deep you can swim in. I'm not even going to tell you what color deep, man, but it's brown deep. <laughs> he says, hermano, la unción está en la corbata. The anointing is in the tie. And I said, brother, you should preach, man, because I ain't got mine. Then I told the pastor, hey, pastor, who's this guy? Oh, he said, that's my co-pastor. He's crazy, man. What did he say? I said, he said, the anointing's in the tie, man. I ain't got one, so you should let him preach. I, I don't listen to him. He's, he's, so I got up and preached, man. God did some miracles, some healings. It was crazy. And then everybody was jumping around excited. And I said, hermanos, I just remember. La unción está en la corbata. I said, imagine how the service would have been if I would have wore a tie. So it's not appearance, you know. Now, that doesn't give you a license to look like a bum, okay? I believe wear the best you have for God. Amen? But appearance doesn't, doesn't make you mature. Here goes one good one. Write it down. Being in the 12 don't make you mature. Y eso que es uno de los doce. We don't say anymore, Pablo. We don't say eso que es cristiano. We say, y eso que uno de los doce. Oh, he's one of the, and, that, and he's one of the 12. Look at the way he's acting. He got the same problems you got. He just got some grace. I'm going to finish, man. I got to finish. Is that like the third time? I still got nine more times. No, no. Let me just finish with this. If you're going <laughs> to, you know, that's why they don't invite me very often to preach nowhere, but. They don't invite me because I preach too long. They don't invite me for two reasons. I preach too long and I sing. But in my church, I can preach as long as I want. And I can sing all I want. That's why we got a little bit of people. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Listen, you have a call to be a disciple and a disciple maker, right? And you have a responsibility to grow up and mature. No one can mature for you. No one can read the Bible for you. No one can pray for you in the sense your, your, your time of prayer. No one can change the habits that got to change in your life. Only you. And I'll, and I'll leave you with this admonition. You're a leader. You're leading. Where are you going? Because wherever you're going, you're leading people. So grow up. Take responsibility. And be the person God called you to be. Amen. So I'm going to finish. Amen. Stand to your feet. I'm finished. Yeah, you guys go home. I'll preach to you guys tomorrow. Now you wanted me to keep going? You know, oh, what was point number six? Let's see. Uh, time, knowledge. Oh, test. Tests don't make you mature. I'm going through a test. I'm maturing. I've seen people go through tests, backslide. So it's not going through the test. It's passing the test that makes you mature. Amen? So he's going to play something for me. And you guys can stand up. Did you get anything? We got tomorrow. If you're from the church, we talk about tenacity tomorrow. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. But thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Amen. And really, 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 pastores, you, you have an awesome church. They, they do know they're known for being the rowdiest people.
Hey, just think about when you get married and have kids, how big this church is going to be. Just, just that. Just that. But you know what? You listen to me, young people. Listen. You guys have something I wish I had. You guys are young. If I could do what you can do, knowing what I know, I'd change the world right now. But there's a verse in the Bible in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27 or 29. It says, the glory of the young man is his strength and the glory of the old man his wisdom. And if we come together, we become an explosive force for God. Amen. So grow up. And you know the good thing about being young, you can make mistakes. And life doesn't finish because you make a mistake. You guys are young. You have resilience. You can bounce right back up, man. If I fall, man, I ain't getting up very fast. I'm like, you bring Pablo's kids up here, man. They fall and then they look like they're tumbling. And, and, and they get up like if nothing happened. If Pablo was, how, how are you doing, Pablo? You doing, yeah. If, yeah, you know, you know where to hit Pablo if you want to pay back, right? You know, like, it's like, I am model, I'm sorry. <laughs> But when we're older, listen to me, when you're older, you have to be more careful about the steps you take. That's why older pastors are a little more, sometimes more reserved. You guys model us, show us, learn, absorb. I bet you Pastor Cassiano's wish he, had, he was your age. Because one thing we can never get back is time. So use yours wisely. Man, make every day count. I mean, you're saved today, man. Pray today, read the word today, get on fire for God. Don't grow old, don't become a Pharisee. And stay holy. Stay holy. Nothing will steal your anointing and your ability to multiply and grow than sin. Sin will jack you up. Some people say, man, I'm in sin and I'm growing. Yeah, imagine if you weren't in sin. There's three things God anoints. His word's anointed. Is that right? Men are anointed. And the vision's anointed. And sometimes we see people preach the word and they're not living right. Don't let that fool you. Don't, don't be like them. Mature. Grow up. Be strong. Man, rally behind your pastors. Whatever they, whatever they say, man, just do it. Pastor Cassianos wants his church back in 1983, I think it was. No, 1993, was it? Anyway, they had 5,000 cells at that time. And they grew from 5,000 cells. Pastor Cassiano said, we're going to have 10,000 cells. And they made from 5,000 cells to 10,300 cells. And somebody asked one of their leaders, how did you guys do it? They said, we believe that the words our pastor says are prophetic. So believe the words your pastor say are prophetic. And just run with it. Man. Just run. You guys are young. Run with it. If you're going to make a mistake, make it now. If you fail, they're here to pick you up. It's going gonna, it's gonna to help you mature if you, if you listen, if you're accountable. But don't be afraid. Fear is of the devil, man. Some of you don't have children because you're afraid. Some of you have never opened a cell group because you're afraid. Just throw fear out the window, man. You only live once, man. YOLO. You, you should hear that message in, a, in funerals, man. I tell people in funerals, man, YOLO. You only live once, so live it right. It's not like, not like vive la vida loca. Tell me, you be better be a look, I mean, you're going to regret you lived wrong. Only, the only. Yes. YOLO, you only live once. Young people, listen. 
absorb, grow, man, rise up, conquer. Fill this building, man, as many times as you can. Pablo's young, man, make him preach. When we had, when we had a small place, man, I had to preach five times, man. That was when Andrew once told me that we, we have a friend in common, a pastor. And I'm like, hey, tell, tell your friend to call me. He hasn't called you. I said, no. He says, he tells me, it's my friend's busy, man. I said, oh, your friend's busy. I mean, how many services do you have on Sunday? He said, one. I got five. The, how, how many small groups does he lead in the, in the week? None. I said, I got these many. I do this. I do that. I, I do mentoring the pastors. I travel. I have to preach. You're going to tell me your friend's busy? It ain't busy. Man, I wish I was 25. I wish I was 37, man. I'm 37? I wish I was 36. You're older than Jesus, man. You're blessed. Come here, Pablo. <laughs> they love you, man. They love both of you because the two are the two are one. See, see how that, yeah. <laughs> Bro, she blew it out the park, man. But let me tell you something. They are giving their life for Jesus. Now you do know that she is a PK, right? You know what that is? It's a something kid, <laughs> PK. These are PKs. You know, my wife. My wife said something about you, you know, because we we're talking about you guys and the ministry and everything. And she's like, "I'm so blessed when I see pastors' kids that still want to do the ministry." And that's because the parents they imparted something into their into their lives. Man, li listen. I'm gonna say this in Spanish. Ellos se la están rifando con ustedes, man. So they're going full-blown on this. All of them. They are sacrificing their parents for you guys. You know. Paulo's 37 years old. Jesus was 33. He gave everything for this cause. I was driving down, one, down the streets in Tijuana one day. Just driving, you know. Tijuana. <laughs> had, to, had to fix that. Tijuana. I, I found out where, they, where the United States filmed the lunar landing in Tijuana. And there's big holes in Tijuana. <laughs> Luke doesn't go to those areas. Luke just goes to the pretty nice areas, you know. Tacos del Frank over there in the style, you know. You got to bring him over to the poverty areas so he can see the real need of Tijuana. But listen, I was driving down the streets of Tijuana one day. Man, I remember the day I fell in love with Tijuana. I could be anywhere in the world. But I remember the day I fell in love with Tijuana. I had a Bible school back in 1980, 1990. I had a Bible school in Tijuana. Started a school, people that are in ministry. We have pastors that are in ministry now. But I remember the day I, I fell in love with that city. But I remember the day I was driving down the street and I realized I was 33 years old. And Jesus at 33 gave it all for me. Because you think about Jesus, don't you think about somebody older? Honestly, I mean, not that you think he was an old man, but when you think about Jesus because you respect him, his maturity, everything he did, what he accomplished, the son of God, you think of somebody like, you don't think of somebody who looks like Pablo. Yeah, he's old compared to Jesus. But Jesus gave it all. 33 years old, gave every drop of his life, served on the earth only three and a half years of ministry. 
and it's still exploding worldwide his ministry because his method was men because he believed in 12 he wanted to conquer the world he said I'm going to choose 12 he could have done anything he could have done some supernatural miracles like big ones like in front of some people to get all these crowds he could have put us get some cards made man and stuff you know Facebook and everything hey follow me man how many followers how many likes I got but he gave it all and your pastors are giving it all you know Bishop Oriel said something and you were there last two weeks ago yeah. Luke was there too Luke se mete everywhere man Luke it's metiche <laughs> Bishop Oriel said something if you guys remember he said what is the use of having 500 people immobilized he said, give me 12 that will mobilize themselves. So here there are people that are ready to be mobilized, that are being mobilized and are ready to be mobilized. And they're going to mobilize you. Listen to the trumpet sound. Prepare yourself for war. It's time to conquer. And you guys have great pastors that love you. And they, they, they're giving everything here, man. They, they have no plan B. His knees jacked up. He can't play no more. Soccer. Uh, your, 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 your knees blessed, man. Your knees blessed. So I want us, instead of praying for them, we're going to pray for you guys. What do you think? Do, do, we, do we bless them like radically? Like just... Like do we catapult them into 2019 with greater vision, greater anointing, greater strength, greater healing? Yeah? You know why? They pray for you guys. They bless you guys. They cry with you guys. And when, they, and when you go home, he goes to study. Of course, he taught me how to cheat. I'm going to teach you how. This is how he cheats. No, it doesn't. Our mission, simply put, the Corvetti multiplication movement is disciple making. That's me, that's me and Siri, man. Shared by all Christians everywhere throughout throughout all time is to follow Jesus' command that we be disciples who make disciples wherever we are. What Man, I'm going to preach like that. I can finish in a few minutes. <laughs> but you know that when they go home, their parents, they're in love. I, I was I was thinking, don't don't take this wrong. I was thinking how fast he would get those 144 if he couldn't have sex till he had them. <laughs> I, oh, oh it's, it's in the Bible. I rebuke those words. <laughs> get, get them 144, man. Because he gave up golf. I mean, I can give up golf, but I can't give up my wife. Anyway, they're in love. They, they have children. They <laughs> Bro, you got to get busy. Hey, you guys got to help this guy. Get to help him get their 144. Because he's going to sleep in the middle until they have 144. Not people, 144 cents. No, okay. But I want you to understand that a pastor's job is never finished. We are on call 24 hours a day. We're either crying or, hell, we have free time. We're with our family. We never stop thinking. We can't hang up the code of ministry. I was in the military. And somebody once said we made good money. I said, divide that by 24 hours. Tell me how much money I make a day because I'm on call anytime if war breaks out I gotta go so let's bless your pastors I mean this is radically like let's just call heaven on their lives I mean it's, it's already there 
You know, if they grow, you grow. John Maxwell law of the lid. If they stop growing, you stop growing. And if you stop growing, your disciples stop growing. So let's, let's just bless, our, bless the pastors. What do you think? So, so you guys have to go down here so everybody can surround you guys. Come on. And I hope you guys don't mind. No. So come on. Surround them. Let's bless them. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. Stretch your hands. Don't be afraid. They're not going to melt if you touch them. Cry out to God. Come on, cry out for your pastors. Greater vision, greater strength, greater finances, greater anointing, greater revelation, greater patience. Man, that, around, that they can start seeing around that corner. Man, the multitudes are around that corner. Father, in Jesus' name, we bless your pastors that you've anointed and appointed here in the house. We thank you for the vision. We thank you for holiness. We thank you for commitment. We thank you, Lord, that they will meet all the goals that you have placed in their heart and that all of us will work with them to help them accomplish the mission of Jesus. And Father, we ask you to strengthen them, to give them your grace, your anointing, your power, Lord. Raise them up. Give them a voice in the United States. We need men and women of God that can bring a, a, a change to the tide that's rising up against humanity. Lord, give them an anointing that breaks yoke, supernatural healings to take place. We thank you for answered prayers in their lives. We thank you for their marriage to always be a light to the rest of us, Lord. Oh, Rabbi we bless them, Lord. We call heaven upon their lives. We thank you, Lord, that they will help us to grow and to mature. And we will not, we will not rebel against correction. We will submit to correction. We will have an ear to hear. We will learn and understand. Father, bring growth into their ministries, inside their hearts, Lord, that they enlarge inside of them, that they can enlarge their tent, Lord, that they can extend their, their tent, that they can enlarge, Lord, that they can go to the right, to the left. Bring multitude of disciples to their lives, Lord. Fill them with joy, Lord. And Lord, their greater joy is to see their disciples walking in truth. So I bless everyone that's in this place, Lord, every disciple, every disciple that's going to open their sail. Every future disciple, give them maturity. Lord, deal with their hearts. Teach them how to grow. Bring strength into their lives. And Lord, we thank you for your blessings upon this place. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Let's give it up for Jesus. Never stop praying for your pastors. For your Moses, man, his beard, man. I'm getting jealous, man. I cut mine, bro. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow. Pastor? We love you. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye.